Hello, hello. Welcome to Twin Flame Transformation Season 2. My name is Michelle and I will be your host and guide. On today's podcast, I have something very special planned. With me is a guest who I hold in the utmost esteem. Her name is Chris Ferraro. She is one of the most powerful energy healers I have ever worked with. Her energetic space is vast and it's clear and it's so beautiful. It's full of integrity and power and divine source energy. It's also filled with humor and knowledge and there's absolutely no ego present at all. And because I know there's always polarities present, I know that Chris holds this beautiful balance between heaven and earth. She holds both, and because her connection to the divine is so great, she's not afraid to go down into the depths with you. Truly, nothing will disarm her or frighten her. And I've brought some pretty big things to her to help me with. And she always does it with grace and the utmost love. And it was the most exciting thing to find out that she is also a twin flame. So Chris Ferraro is an international energy coach, speaker, and author of three books. She left a career in social services to lead folks in the energy practices she uses for her own well-being. Chris is a true believer in everyone's innate ability to heal. A former punk rock radio DJ and performing artist, it was in releasing her severe social anxiety that she was finally able to uncover her true purpose and share a message of hope and possibility. As an accredited, certified EFT practitioner with 20 years of tapping experience and a licensed spiritual practitioner with over 25 years in metaphysics, Chris creates healing curriculum that allows true transformation in mind, body, and soul. Her first book, Energy Healing, was a number one Amazon bestseller. Manifesting, her second book, is now in its sixth printing, and her latest, Your Difference is Your Strength, a love letter for anyone who has ever felt left out, debuts in October 2023. When not traveling, Chris lives in Montclair, New Jersey, with her cats Ling and the baby Cheetah. Please welcome to the podcast, Chris Ferraro. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on here. I'm so incredibly grateful that we connected in the way that we did. And now our connection is growing in this way where I get to be a guest on here. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you. Uh, so my first question for you is how did you become an energy healer? Okay, so it's a little bit of a long story. So I'm going to try to, you know, make it succinct. I was a highly sensitive child born into a highly insensitive environment. And so like a lot of children that are in that experience, my connection to the divine was that which I held on to. And so I spoke to God and saints and angels as a very young child and had a, um, had a part of me that clearly brought something over from the other side where I knew that I had come from love and that I would return to love and I had no fear of death. So I had some of that that came through my early life and I ended up being somebody who struggled with what I call 
call emotional well-being and most people call mental health. I became clinically depressed in high school. Um, I also had developed a severe anxiety disorder that started when I was eight. Um, I was moved from my normal school into a school for child geniuses. And I, however, was not a genius. Um, and that's where that began. And so that continued to accelerate even while I was a DJ and even while I was doing performance art and spoken word. Um, I developed a severe, severe anxiety disorder. So a week before a spoken word performance, I'd be sick to my stomach every single day. I eventually quit performing because the fear was so strong. And as an, an empath that felt other people's energy intensely and took on other people's energy, I was constantly in a state of overwhelm. And so in my late 20s, uh, I was working in social services where you make no money. So you always have side hustles. And I had a side hustle working for a hypnotherapist, binding her books and her manuals and was constantly complaining about my romantic life, which I think she got sick of listening to. And she said, listen, let's just sit down. And, and I learned this thing this weekend and let's just try this thing. And we sat down and she started tapping or other, using otherwise known as EFT, but she didn't call it that. In fact, she didn't call it anything. She just, we were tapping on these points on the body and she had me saying these negative things. And I stopped her and I said, you're a hypnotherapist and you're a metaphysician. And you've talked to me about the power of the subconscious mind and affirmations and self-talk. And here we are talking about all of these negative things. And she says, I know, I know, I know, but whatever this thing is, it really works. And it was something that in the subsequent um, months of my life, that romantic pattern was gone. And it was a real sense of relief. And so a couple of years later, I was reading in a newsletter about this technique called EFT. And I made the connection between that and what I had experienced with the hypnotherapist and I immediately started taking classes. And this ended up being um, the antidote to my overwhelming emotions because EFT stands for emotional freedom techniques. And it's a way of tapping on acupressure points to bring down intensity of feeling. So for a highly sensitive empathic person, this became an essential tool for me. And so I studied intensely for six years, read every newsletter, went to several workshops a year. And then I realized, wait a minute, I could be actually doing this with other people. It took that long for me to contemplate that. And at the same time, I was in a metaphysical church and I was studying to be a spiritual practitioner. So I went through four years of in-person classes and a year and a half mentorship. So I like to say I have a PhD in consciousness <laughs> and I was had a foot in two different worlds. I had a foot in this energy psychology world where I was looking at limiting beliefs and thoughts and, and intense feelings and bringing those down through tapping. And I was working with people doing uh, affirmative prayer, which we're going to do later in our, in our thing today. So everybody will get to hear what that's about, which is a uh, metaphysics, which is all about affirming what we want to experience in the present time. And it's a spiritual way of manifesting. And what I realized is that those two things needed to go together because we are both human and we are divine. I know that we are 
um, spiritual beings having a human experience, but so much in spirituality, we like to deny the humanness that we have come forth in. And what I fully believe is if our souls are in a body, then there's a reason for it. And we actually need to work with our mind and our body and our emotions. And so out of that, a brand new practice was born. And so it wasn't sort of an instantaneous thing or a decision that I needed to make, you know, and in fact, I had been told by psychics and spiritual teachers for years, you're a healer. And I all thought that they were crazy. (laughs) It was too overwhelming. I didn't have the self-esteem to hold that title. And yet I couldn't deny what was my destiny and what I came here to do. And so it all came out of looking for answers for myself. I was also, when I worked in social services, looking for things that were helping them because what I'd learned in college wasn't doing much, um, you know, for my clientele and being around that suffering was very hard. And so it was just a desire to help alleviate suffering and bring relief to the world that the practice came about. Chris, wow, I love that. And and I, first of all, I love spoken word. So oh, we're going to have that. a sidebar oh, conversation about that. I used to want to come to show when I was a choreographer with spoken word and movement following it, but that'll be a sidebar. But I love that because is spoken word, you're almost channeling or did you have it prepped? Like, did you? Well, I, I was um, competing in slams <laughs> for a highly sensitive person. I do not recommend this because... <laughs> You are going head to head with other people. You're not allowed to use paper. So you have to memorize your pieces and your pieces can only be three minutes. If you go over three minutes, you get points deducted. And then there are teams that are scoring you. So you perform and everybody puts up their score and someone keeps track of it. And then you keep going. The people that get the highest scores continue to go head to head until there's an eventual winner. It was terrible for me. (laughs) I was already a shaky creative, you know, in so many ways. And yet I felt so inspired by the other poets that I was, um, you know, performing alongside of. And I felt like I had something to say to the world. And I didn't know how to do that. You know, this was the late 90s. I mean, I think I had just gotten my first cell phone and email address. So, you know, there weren't blogs and all of that yet. And it was a way of being able to share stories, you know, from my life and share my writing. And, um, you know, it's something that maybe someday I'll return to. I'll definitely be the old lady in the room. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think there's something I feel like when I first said that, I thought, oh gosh, am I getting off topic? But yet creativity in that channel and and poetry, right, is actually an expression of the divine because it's so hard to logically explain life anyway. Well, and I have to say that, that poetry and writing were the ways that I I process my romantic hurts and struggles. And it was um, something that when I was eight years old and struggling in my genius school that a teacher introduced me to poetry and I started journaling. And I finally had an outlet for all these big thoughts and feelings and fears to take those out of my head and place them on paper. So writing very much has been a part of my healing journey since I was very young. 
Yeah, that makes sense. It's almost like nothing is an accident of what you've done. It's all part of you being a healer. It, isn't it nice to be able to look back and say that now? Because, <laughs> of course, the entire time I was floundering and didn't know what I was doing. And I wanted the universe to, uh, you know, uh, all of a sudden for a blueprint to fall out of the mm -hmm. sky and appear before me with all of the pieces and how they fit together. But it's not the way that the universe works. We get little trails of breadcrumbs, but the default is good. Our default, the default of God, of universe, of source is good. Because ultimately, when we, you get to be on this journey long enough, you look back and realize all of the places you've been and people that you've interacted with and how it all has fit together for who you are right now. Wow. That was beautiful. I, so relationships, that's a good segue to talk about twin flame stuff. I am loving your book, Energy Healing. Thank you. I've been devouring it. And I just, I love how you have a way of putting these woo-woo topics into a very logical way that my brain can understand. And this is what you said about energy healing. You said, all from a healing perspective, all problems are caused by congestion and all healing or relief comes from flow. I mean, that is just so succinctly put. It's, well, it's one of those things in the, you know, many, many thousands of hours of having a practice and working with people. There were just certain, certain conclusions that came out of the experience. Mm -hmm. And so when I was given the opportunity, um, when St. Martin's Press contacted me and said, we want you to write a book for us, which came out of nowhere, I knew exactly what I needed to share because I was living this. And I would find that all pain, physical pain, emotional pain, uh, beliefs are congested energy. And often it is congested energy because we don't know how to process our emotions. And when we go through traumatic experiences, it's not safe for us to process those emotions. And we don't have support to be able to do that. Our body holds on to the energy. And those, the energy that is contained in our bodies continues to attract to us over and over again, similar experiences, similar vibrations, because we are, our whole system, body, mind, and spirit is seeking wholeness. It is seeking love. It is seeking self-love and love of others. And so anything that is in conflict with that is going to draw something similar to it because it is the system that we are is always looking to clear that congestion. Mm. And so when we clear the congestion, we no longer have to attract those same similar experiences over and over again. Like I shared with tapping with the hypnotherapist, you know, at that time, I think I was 27 I had been cheated on by every single person I'd ever dated since I was like 15. And I had to say, the only thing that all those people have in common is me. And so I tapped on how frustrated, angry, hurt, brokenhearted, disgusted I was with all of that. And after that, cheating was no longer an issue in my life. Wow, so, yeah, but the congestion was this pattern of being cheated on and all the ways that that made me feel. Yeah. 
So can we talk about our soul's energy and twin flames and congestion and flow? Yeah, I, I absolutely we can. I'm not entirely even sure what's, what's going to come through here. But what I will say is in in my twin flame experience, this person reflected all of the ways within myself I was blocking love. Now, if you had said to me at the time, you are blocking love from your life, I would have told you that you were crazy because my entire spiritual journey started from wanting to be loved. You know, I remember being 16 years old and I was in, you know, my family had moved to Florida, which was, it was like living in the boonie Bible belt. I had no idea what I was even doing there, but I found a new age store, a new age store that used to get death threats all the time. By the way, it was called the inner eye. And I remember going in there and I was 16 and I said, what do you have on soulmates? So the very first book, self-help spiritual book that I ever bought was on this. And it was coming from this deep ache inside of me of having felt rejected and abandoned by my family of origin. Now my parents weren't divorced. I grew up with them, but they, my parents had three far older children. They weren't planning on having any more. My father was unfaithful to my mom. And in that, she got, my mother got pregnant with me. And it was a way of forcing the marriage to stay together and for them to go forward. Uh, of course, I didn't know any of this at the time. But I came into a relationship that was an absolute strife and struggle. And when I was two months old, my mother uh, decided to go to college and to become a nurse. And she was 40. So I know that from a practical standpoint, as the grown up that I am, she would probably thought I better make some money in case this marriage thing doesn't work out because now we've got four kids. Um, but for me, I did not get any kind of healthy attachment. So I was someone who was left with various people, including my very young siblings who were 13, 10 and six. Um, and I just didn't get the, the connection being held um, and being loved the way that I really, really needed to. And I wasn't sleeping because my nervous system was dysregulated because this was a very um, chaotic home life that I was being born into. And so I had this deep ache that was being projected out of not being worthy of love, of not being lovable, of love not being safe, love being scary. Uh, love being inconsistent. And so all of that was being emanated out and and in ways that I was not aware of until my twin flame came into my life and gave me the opportunity to feel all of that. <laughs> <laughs> How did you know he was your twin flame? Well, it's very interesting. We are in, uh, we're professionally connected and I was at an event and we did not speak during this event, but at some point uh, I was in a room where there was a large gathering and the people started dissipating out of the room. And I, it was like, you see that person across a crowded room sort of thing. 
but it wasn't like West Side Story. Instead, it was, I looked at him and I felt my stomach twist in a knot and I thought, I don't like him. Oh. We, we never, he was doing nothing. He was simply standing there, okay? And I, and then that was it. But I remember driving home from the event and thinking, well, that was weird. You don't even know his name. Why would you have such a visceral reaction to somebody you don't even, he, you never even heard him speak. What, why did you feel that way? And I had no answers for myself. And then um, not long after that, I needed to reach out to him for the job that I then had to interview him. And, and from the second that I spoke to him, it was like this explosion of overwhelming love was filled moving through my body. It was terrifying. It was intoxicating. It was um, confusing and it was instantaneous. And after that, I felt a connection with him that I could not explain. Um, I had been following him on social media. I had to unfollow him because it was excruciating to look at any of his posts. I was insanely jealous. And I'm not even talking like jealous of people he was dating. That would at least make sense. Uh, you know, I remember he had a post about someone pouring him coffee and I was jealous that the waitress got to pour him coffee. And I was like, Oh no, I'm in a deep, I can't even handle this. I'm jealous of a waitress in a coffee shop. That's crazy. So I felt like I had a GPS on him. Mm. I would intuitively know wherever he was. And he uh, was very much a world traveler. Any place that he was in the world, I knew where he was without having any information wow. and you know i would wake up and be like oh he's in italy or he's here or he's there or he's wherever it was like i had an energetic gps um connected to him so it was it opened up one of the most excruciatingly painful times in my life and it opened up the most extraordinary healing in my life yeah, they do that. Yeah. And so how did you even begin to figure out that he was your twin flame? And how did you go about healing this? It was very interesting because there were times I felt like I was going crazy. And I am very grounded, as you mentioned, very practical, pragmatic. I'm very sane. I'm very left-brained. Um, I've never questioned, even though I had struggled with mental health in my earlier days, even then I didn't think that there was anything really wrong with me. I felt like it was sort of a normal reaction to the circumstances I was in. There were moments where I was like, am I losing my mind? Mm -hmm. Am I, is there something really, really wrong with me? Um, am I, is this an obsession? Um, you know, what is happening here? And I started Googling different things and I, maybe had heard the expression, you know, twin flames sort of, you know, but I never had really been drawn to it. Suddenly there was all of this information and I ended up seeing an advertisement for a book by uh, an author, Jeff Brown, 
And the name of the book is escaping me, but I'll look it up before we get off of the, the call. It was a fictional book and he's a Canadian author and spiritual guy and teacher. I had no idea who he was, but I saw an advertisement for his book where there was an excerpt from the book where I was like, oh my God, he knows what I'm talking about. Immediately bought the book and like read it in 24 hours. One of those kinds of things. It was clearly a fictionalized version of a real life twin flame relationship that he had had. And I, and I'm guessing he had to put it in a fictional concept context to protect everyone. I started following him on social media. I sent him a message and I said, is there uh, a community of people that have read your book that want to talk about this experience? Because I felt like I so desperately needed to talk about this but because we were professionally connected, I felt very, I'm actually very glad that I did this because there were so many times I wanted to just blurt stuff out to people that we knew in common because I so needed support. And I'm very, very glad that I followed my intuition and I did not do that because now these years later, we're still all connected and there's no weirdness or gossip or any of that that has been, you know, um, following either one of us around. So I'm happy about that. Uh, but I did feel like I needed other people to talk to. And I remember Jeff Brown did write me back and he said, well, you know, I have a Facebook group and sometimes people talk about it in there. And I thought, you're gotta be kidding me. That's the last place I want to do this. Like, I wanted some secret club, a secret chat room, right? Where we could be anonymous and no one knew who we were and we could share our stories that were reflected with his book, but there was nothing like that. So the fact that you, Michelle, are doing this podcast, it's exactly what I would have needed. Oh my God, what a great thing it is that you're doing this because because you do feel unbalanced, ungrounded, you feel out of control. Um, you know, people can't relate. You, there's shame that comes along with it. Um, sometimes people open up to other people and they'll say, well, I think you're crazy or this isn't going to happen or this isn't real or maybe you need to get help because it is a deeply spiritual experience happening during a time when we are cut off from our spirituality you know, it's, we're born into, most of us really are born into secular worlds. And we are living in a time where we're seeing what's happening on the planet has come from us divorcing ourselves from our spiritual nature and our spiritual knowledge and wisdom. And so there's no context for it, right? There's no place to put any of it. There's nobody as a mentor to come along and say, Oh, let me put my arm around your shoulder and tell you what this is and give you a context for it. So I'm so glad that you're doing what you're doing. It's really so powerful. Oh, thank you. I love what you just said, that we're trying to figure out this profoundly spiritual connection in a world that is not supportive of that, that we are disconnected from. Yes. That resonated so deeply because if we were in another time and space, right, we would, this wouldn't be as big of a deal as right. it is. And I do have to say, you know, I, I started the podcast because it's what I knew more than anything because I'm still on this journey still as, really? as, as much healing as I've done. 
right well i don't i don't think it ends till we leave leave these bodies you know i think there's always going to be some aspects of it but what i do want to share with your listeners is that in the depths of all of this uh, a true angel showed up in my life so i was at um a professional event that he was also present at and we had been at a dinner in which he had humiliated me in front of our colleagues. And I felt like somebody killed me or destroyed me. It was so devastating. It was so devastating. And I had no way of even coping with it. And at some point I ended up having dinner with a couple of colleagues. And one of them I felt very drawn to, I'd met her briefly. And later on, I emailed her and I said, I'm in, I'm in real trouble here and I want to hire you as a, a EFT practitioner. And she wrote back and said, um, I never do this, but I think that we could trade sessions. And I said to her, I'm not on the level that you are and it wouldn't be an equal trade. She said, let's just give it a try and see what happens. And so we ended up trading sessions for two and a half years. And finally, I had a safe space in which I was able to bring all of this stuff and tap through it. And she had a twin flame experience herself. She's a couple decades older than I was. So here was my spiritual mentor. Here was my voice of wisdom. Here was my um, person that could guide me as I move through um, everything that I shared, she's like, yep, that happened to me. Yes, that's exactly what it's like. So I landed in a safe space. And, and what I want to share with your listeners is there's somebody out there for you to hold that safe space for you and to be there for you too. That, that, that we, what we need shows up and it shows up in sometimes really extraordinary ways. And so she really just changed the whole course of my life, really. Oh, that is so beautiful. I think that is such a great message to share with the listeners because this can feel so, you can feel so alone on this journey. Yes. Yes. Very, very, very alone. And, and such shame for me, there was such shame about it because I believed he was too good for me. I believed that he would never want to have anything to do with me. Um, and I and I will say that what I found is that the extreme attraction towards him, it is a coin. And the flip side of that is is feeling repulsed. And so my initial thing of seeing him across the room and being like, ew, I don't like that person. Totally irrational. He had a repulsion towards me because, of course, I was desperately seeking his connection with him, desperately seeking uh, living on morsels of one sentence emails or little meetings at some place and and desperately clinging to it in a way that was so visceral. So I felt embarrassed. I felt, um, who am I to think that uh, this person that I put up on such a big pedestal uh, would want anything to do with me? 
And so it's really in the working through of all of that, that it's very interesting because the, you know, I still have a professional, you know, relationship with him. That's, you know, occasional, it's not all the time. I look at it now and I realize that I'm actually far more emotionally advanced um, than he is. And that we're not, we're actually not matched up in that way. So the table is really turned from how I felt like this lowly, not good enough, you know, um, person, but all of that not good enough stuff was already alive within me. You know, it was the little girl in me who wasn't wanted. It was the child that was bullied in school. It was the punk rocker that caused uh, visceral reactions everywhere she went. It was the uh, so working in social services and being different from everybody that I worked with in the field. It was that journey of always being on the outside. And so here was a per perfect opportunity for me to look at that and heal that in a really powerful way. They're here to heal us. They're healed yes. to shine. They shine the light so specifically on our wounds in a way that no one else can. Oh, it was, yes, it was. And, and I, and I kept in the early days of it, I was like, I'm going to make myself good enough to be with him. So I went on a radical um, self-improvement plan. I, I joined a gym. I started exercising two hours a day for six days a week. I was limiting my food. I was, I mean, I'm telling you, I was trying to craft myself into the, the perfect woman that he would not be able to deny. And, but all of that was motivated by, I'm not okay. I'm not good. I'm damaged goods. I'm wrong. I'm bad. It came from all of that. And it was also, I have to change myself to be loved. I have to be more than what I am to be loved. And that was so extraordinarily heartbreaking for me because I was reinforcing those beliefs every time I was tired or hurt my knee and I didn't want to go to the gym and I would force myself to go because I thought the only way this is going to happen, if I transform myself into that perfect woman, and then and only then will I be able to be loved. And if I, if it, it doesn't happen, I won't be able to live. I will be in excruciating pain and aching loneliness for the rest of my life. And I can't live that way. So I want the listeners to know that's a hundred percent not true. And that my days of transforming myself into the perfect woman to be loved are over. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be loved for all of the parts of me, including my fat butt and my chubby thighs. I want to be loved for all of the things I do right and well. And I want to be loved for all of the ways uh, that I struggle. Um, I, I want someone who loves all of me. Because each of us are like a diamond with all of these different facets. And I did so many years of shadow work to try to integrate and embrace those parts of myself that I had denied. I'm finally in a place where I want someone who loves all of that. That is so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that and being vulnerable. But that is the truth, right? This There's this false divine feminine thing that we have to change for the other person or to get them right there's this, that's a like we, codependency yeah we have to earn love yeah, right earn love. 
right? When we are love, we are love itself. We are our fishes in water looking for looking for the water and we are it <laughs> oh and my it God, is that's so good. yeah we are it and we are all around it and so he brought everything up in the most intense of ways and thankfully my wise beautiful incredible tapping partner she would try to get through there was th she was like you know it's possible that maybe in this lifetime, the two of you will not necessarily be together in, you know, a romantic partnership. It was unthinkable to me that that could be true. Unthinkable. And I remember even getting angry at her. I thought, oh, what the hell does she know? Well, she knew a lot more than me. <laughs> I'll tell you that. But it was like, I, if I had, if I let go of that hope, then what would I have? And yet there, you know, things in my life aligned in a certain way where I had to actually finally let go. And it was in the letting go and the grieving that I grieved for the baby in me that wasn't loved and embraced. I, I grieved for the relationships, my younger self, when I was in relationships where I was cheated on. Because, of course, I interpreted all of that, that it meant there was something wrong with me, right? So it was this deep opportunity to grieve my disconnection from my true essential self and from loving myself as I really, really was. And I remember my tapping partner saying to me, she said, he's playing his part perfectly, and it was a, it was a download. It was a divine download. And she said, he's doing exactly what he came to do for you. And I know that that's unthinkable for you, but it's the truth. And I couldn't fully grasp it at the moment that she said it, but in many ways she planted seeds that later on I was eight when I was ready that they took root at the right time and grew. And I was able to recognize the wisdom that came with it because there was a, an ache and a longing within me that is gone. Mm. And, and the ache and longing that he activated within me um, and exacerbated within me had actually been there for my entire life. And I now no longer have that. And so he, oof, it's getting me choked up. Yeah. He freed me from that. Yeah. He freed me from that, that desperation. And he freed me from desires not met. Because that's what longing, longing is two emotions at once. It is the desire for something very much wanted and the belief that we cannot have it. And they are married together. When we are in a place of pure desire, things often just show up in our lives without much fanfare. But when it's mixed with longing, it's mixed with, I can't have this or I can't have this now. And it perpetuates that. And so I am forever, forever grateful to him 
that I no longer carry that deep aching pain around inside of me that was in the background of my life and a motivator in ways that I just wasn't in touch with. I hope you've enjoyed part one of the interview with Chris Ferraro. Isn't she amazing? Be sure to tune in next week to hear part two as we dive even deeper around the energy of twin flames. I've included all of Chris's info in the podcast notes and the book she mentioned by Jeff Brown is called An Uncommon Bond. Also, if you are looking for twin flame community support, we do have a private Facebook group. It's called Alchemical Souls, and you can find it under groups, and Molly, our beautiful admin, will let you in. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thank you all so much for listening and all of your support, and I'm sending you all so much love on this profound journey. <laughs>